Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our Sunday morning internet church service. I am so happy that you're here. I believe God has designed us to live by His Word, not just by the food that we eat. And we thank God for wonderful food, but we also thank God for spiritual nourishment. So today, let's nourish our faith. Praise God. Now, before we jump into today's message, let's first receive the holy tithes and offerings and bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. I would like to read a scripture to you from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60. I want to read verse 3, but let me read verses 1 through 3, and that will help us. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. Now verse, uh, actually verse 2 continues, and His glory will be seen upon you. Now verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. I want you to notice that statement in verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light. And the church, the church is lifting up the light, and the light is Jesus. Praise God. And because Christ is exalted, Gentiles from all over the world are finding that Christ is the answer, the only answer. He is the so solution for sin. He is the hope and the peace and joy that they need. So we know that there is the the assignment of the Great Commission, preaching the gospel to all the world, making disciples of all nations. And this is a very large task, but by God's grace, we are doing our part together. Anywhere I go to preach the gospel, you go with me, whether it's in person, whether it's on television, whether it's on internet, because of your prayers and your support, we go together and we will share in the heavenly rewards. Now verse 3 again, the Gentiles shall come to your light. And we see that this is actually taking place uh, today in many, many different ways. Um, I just want to give you a few statistics. These statistics are from 2010. Uh, I can't give you the up-to-date statistics. It comes out every 10 years. So in 2020, uh, there will be uh, a new publication uh, it's almost like a mini encyclopedia that comes out with a lot of church data uh, and a lot of statistics and so forth. But we do know uh, that in 2010, these were some basic numbers, and the numbers are rising. So what I'm going to share with you is really good, but uh, it's actually increasing. So every day, 35,000 Chinese are born again. That's every single day, 35,000 people in China received Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's a lot. And that number is increasing. But uh, as we know from nine years ago, 35,000 Chinese people are saved every day. In India, every day, over 30,000 people are saved. They come to salvation in Christ every single day. I know that the gospel is free, that, you know, you can just hear it preached and believe it, receive it, accept Christ into your heart, and you're born again, didn't cost you a penny. But I do believe that spreading that gospel, how did the person hear it? Did they hear it on TV? Well, if, the, if it was on TV, somebody paid for the airtime. 
There was money to put the shows together, create the shows. Um, I received a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Mainly, I got the prep for it by listening to a, a preacher on the radio. And I listened for about six months, and it really built my faith up. When a Pentecostal pastor laid hands on me and prayed over me in a church service, I received it so fast, so easy. But I had, I had all the preparation because I, I was listening to this preacher on the radio. So you could say I got the baptism in the Holy Spirit for free. I did. Didn't cost me anything, but it did cost that preacher airtime and radio time and his partners paying for that. That allowed me to step into that blessing. Um, here's another st uh, statistic: twenty million Muslims get saved every year. Okay, that's pretty powerful. How are they hearing about Christ? They're hearing uh, through the various, you know, media platforms, whether it's on the internet or whether it's on television or whatever, you know, somebody's got to preach it, and it costs money to preach the gospel. That's why we need to be tithers. That's why we need to be givers. 20 million Muslims get saved every year. That's amazing, and that statistic is going up. Um, it is true that in Europe, a lot of these beautiful cathedrals, uh, the churches, the church, you know, the, the people that form the church, because as we know, the church is not a building. That's just where the, the uh, uh, ecclesia, the called out, the people that come together as believers meet. Because we don't want to meet out in the rain, okay? But the, the church is not the building, the church is the people. But we know that these great monuments, these great buildings, these glorious cathedrals in Europe, many of them are now vacant because the church just died. You know, uh, the people got older and older and died. There was not a young group raised up. And so the churches, uh, these beautiful cathedrals were just either left in uh, disrepair or have been abandoned or are sitting empty. But, uh, you know, I, I know you could look at that and think that's not good, but the brilliant silver lining going around the cloud that would appear to be a negative cloud, the brilliant silver lining is this. So many Muslims are getting born again and saved in Europe that they're needing places to meet. And guess what they're finding? These old, uh, empty cathedrals, and they're being turned again back into churches. Praise God. And some of them, really, that are still functioning, some of these old churches in Europe, they're so dead. I know people show up, and they have, they have religious meetings, and they have no life in them at all. Most of them, are, even though they come to church, I think a lot of them are atheists. A lot of them, um, I don't even know if they're actually even saved. So it would probably be better just let them close down and uh, let true revival come. Hallelujah. But it's wonderful to see former Muslims, now believers. Uh, and, you know, here's the thing in Europe also. Because uh, I've seen interviews of quite a few of the uh, Christians now who used to be, uh, uh, they're the Arabs who used to be Muslims, now born again, living in Europe. And they're just like stunned that the church is so weak. They're like, we've been in bondage for, you know, 1,500 years, and we have found that the answer is Christ, and we're running the Christ. Why in the world would you be leaving Christ? I mean, that's they're, they're, they're bewildered by, the, by the, the weakness of the church in Europe, because they're like, this is what we've been looking for all of our lives. <laughs> and so we're running to it. We're running to the Lord. And so, uh, you know, thank God also really for a lot of the good African ministers who have been sent by God from Africa to Europe to raise up strong spirit-filled churches, because if it were not for quite a few of those, 
um, a lot of the traditional Protestant churches in Europe, um, they're just like, they're, you know, falling left and right. But all in all, I believe that Europe is going to be saved. And all in all, I, be, I believe that God has a great plan for America. We're going to see a lot of Americans saved. I know that uh, those of you that watch from other nations, um, many have the mindset that America is a Christian nation. After all, we even have on our money, it says, in God we trust. Um, and so there is a strong Christian element of America. There are many believers in America, but there's a lot of unrighteousness, a lot of sin, but I believe God's going to do a great move of His Spirit in this nation. And we're going to see a great harvest in America. And we haven't had a, what you could call a spiritual awakening in a long time. It's been over a 100 years, uh, even closer to 150 years since America last had a spiritual awakening. Our nation has had two. And each time it happened, uh, you know, the word in the church was, it's over with, the nation sunk, just let it go down the tubes. And that's when God sent spiritual awakening. And I believe we're going to have another one. And we're going to see a lot of people in America that are lost get saved. We're going to see, we're going to see a lot of the backslidden church come back to Christ. Praise God. So, uh, 20 million Muslims getting saved every year. Here's a fascinating statistic. Indonesia, the largest Muslim nation in the world, and I, I know some of you watching, maybe you, some of you uh, Westerners, maybe you would think that, you know, somewhere in the Middle East would be the largest uh, Muslim nation, Saudi Arabia or something like that, but it's not. It's actually Indonesia. Um, Indonesia, the largest Muslim nation in the world, is now 35% Christian wow, and it's not slowing down. And I'll actually be in Indonesia in just a few months uh, ministering the gospel there. So great things are happening. And this was prophesied, the Gentiles shall come to your light. We have what the world needs, it's Christ. We need to get Christ to the peoples of the world at all costs. And I want to say thank you for your faithfulness to the Lord, for honoring the Lord with your finances and uh, bringing the tithes in and bringing the offerings in. Those of you that are young Christians, a tithe is 10%. And I'm not really teaching on tithing today. Uh, I, again, it's not this. This is a tithe. T-I-E. Tithe. T-I-T-H-E. That basically means 10%. And when believers, Christians, give the tithe, and then at special times also give offerings and sow seed. Really, the church just runs like a well-oiled machine. Pastors and can do what they want. Prophets can travel. Apostles can raise up churches. Evangelists can go do crusades to get people saved. And teachers can just teach, 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 teach. So it works very, very smoothly when God's people tithe and also sow special seed. Thank you for doing that. The ministry is healthy, but we are growing. We're expanding on all fronts. You're giving is vital, is very, very important. So I want to say thank you for being faithful to the Lord, and thank you for helping this ministry continue to reach out. And we thank God for all the doors that He's opening. And there's there's just greater, greater doors. We want to see as many people saved as possible. And of course, also a key assignment of our ministry that you're part of is to build up and strengthen the church. Because after all, what do you do once you're saved? You know, uh, you, you need somebody to teach you the, the ways of God. There needs to be righteous teachers in the body of Christ. The Lord has called me to do that, to teach His people. So thank you for supporting this ministry. Now, if you would like to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them in to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, 
the city or the town is Moravian Falls. Moravian Falls, North Carolina, our zip code 28654. For those of you that maybe have been out of the loop a little bit, and I hope you haven't, but if you have, yes, we moved from Mooresville to Moravian Falls. We're back here just expanding the headquarters. Great things are taking place. Again, if you're mailing your gifts in, Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. Those of you that like to go online, which is so easy, it's very secure, very safe, please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, and you can bring the tithes and offerings in online. And we have many international online church members, and we, we have people that are connected with this ministry in China, in Australia, in Africa, all throughout Europe, literally all around the world, and it is a very safe online portal for your giving. Go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap, and you can go there right now and bring them into the storehouse of God. Father, we thank you that when we leave this world, we can't take anything with us but souls. And as we do our part, we believe there will be many that even go on before us. Lord, we work together as a team. And I thank you, Father God, for all of the online church members, all of the covenant ministry partners. Father God, that we're going to share in the rewards together. And together we all cry out, oh God, we ask that you give us souls. Give us souls, Father, in the name of Jesus. And let your spirit move in greater measures across the nations of the world. Father, we give you praise. We thank you. Bless your people. Strengthen their finances. Strengthen their finances. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I see that very shortly you're going to be able to add with no strain, very easily, another zero, another digit to your giving. Watch, because God is lifting you up. When you're, when you're into souls, when you're into the kingdom, God, I mean, God just begins to um, really, really bless you. Praise the Lord. All right, today let's go to the book of Judges, chapter 15. Look at a few things in the life of Samson, one of the favorite characters in the Bible. Uh, fascinating guy. I, I, I believe with all my heart he's made heaven, and when we get to heaven we'll be able to talk with him. Uh, I, I've had visions where the Lord has allowed me to see certain saints in heaven, some of them. I've been allowed even in visions while I've had these experiences to even talk with some, but I haven't seen Samson. I haven't met him. Uh, that's okay. Heaven's a big place. There's a lot of people I haven't met, and so it's going to be so much fun when we get to heaven to meet the biblical characters, and also to go to the archives of heaven. You know, if, if you live in a large city, and you think you have a large public library, just wait till you get to heaven, uh, off the charts. And so we'll be able to also, uh, from a, how can I say it, from a simple pers uh, perspective, play it back on DVD. All of these epic bi biblical events, just, you know, hit play, sit back and watch it. And heaven's so advanced, you don't even need DVDs. I just try to say that so your mind can have a frame of what you can do. But we'll be able to watch all the amazing events, go back and replay them, watch them again. The Red Sea crossing. Elijah calling fire down on Mount Carmel, all of these things, and of course, the great exploits of Samson. Let's talk about him today and open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask as we go into your word, your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit would come upon us. The seven spirits of the Lord would rest upon us, our eyes be illuminated. Father, just as Samson had the seven long locks of hair as a Nazarite, 
this representing the seven spirits of the Lord. Father, let your spirit rest on us now as we study your word, that we have the spirit of wisdom and, and understanding, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. In the name of Jesus, we receive your Holy Spirit's help. Amen. Now, Judges chapter 15, going down to verse 9, it says, Now the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and deployed themselves against Lehi. The, the enemy, the, we could even say the arch enemy of Israel, the classic enemy of Israel, the major thorn in their side was the Philistines. Israel had some pretty stubborn enemies, but the one that gave them a lot of trouble was the Philistines. Verse 10, And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? So they answered, We have come up to arrest Samson, to do to him as he has done to us. Well, Samson is causing problems already for the Philistines. You have, you have the story of Joshua, the book of, the book of Joshua ends moving over into the book of Judges. And getting into the book of Judges, chapter 2, things go downhill really, really quick. Why, Pastor Stephen? In one word, I can say it, leadership. See, it says in Joshua, excuse me, in Judges chapter 2, that when Joshua died, and the elders that had served alongside of Joshua, when they've all died, the people of Israel, the children of Israel began to rebel. They began to turn to their gods, false gods, began to worship demons, began to, uh, you know, venture into all of the sins of the surrounding nations. And because of that, the Lord allowed them to go into captivity so that they could learn the difference between what it's like to serve the Lord and what it's like to serve wicked rulers from surrounding nations that suppress you and do mean things to you and extract taxes from you and degrade you and humiliate you and, and all of this and all of that. So really you see, you see what's going on in Judges is just you have people that uh, sometimes they'd have a good leader, then sometimes a poor leader. But whenever they had a good leader, as soon as a good leader died, as soon as the good judge died, they go right back into sin, just like a broken record, play the song over and over and over again. You already know how it's going to end. And so Samson is one of the, one of the major judges. And you have, you have 13 judges in all. Um, one that was a total flop, 12 that were good. And so we're looking at the life today of Samson, wanting to see some interesting things from his life that have an impact on us today. Now, verse 11, then 3,000 men of Judah, okay, so these are, these are God's people. Watch this. This is, this is you, you think stuff like this is crazy almost. It, it sounds so, so bizarre. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done to us? In other words, Samson you know, you're causing problems, you know, you're, you're, see, here's the thing with Samson. He had one assignment, one mission from God. What is that? Overthrow the Philistines. That, that's what that guy was anointed for, and he was really good at it. He's already beginning to revolt. He's already overthrowing, and the Israelites, they, they actually come to Samson, who of course is an Israeli, they come to him and say, do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? It's almost like saying, 
Pastor Stephen, I don't really want to serve the Lord. If I do, it might make the devil mad. Oh, so you, you actually think the devil plays fair, that he cuts deals with you, and you think it's going to work like that? No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. But here, we have 3,000 of the men of Judah coming to Samson, basically saying, hey, Samson, we're actually here to arrest you. We're going to turn you over to the Philistines. And, uh, and you know, here's the thing. Why not, why not say, hey, you know, we actually, you know, 3,000 of us pulled together because we know he's got this crazy anointing on him. What if somebody would have had the idea, hey, you know, um, we actually were going to pull together to arrest Samson. You know, we got a pretty good group here, and we've got Samson. I mean, this is like the Incredible Hulk on your team. I mean, this, this is the real superhero of the Bible. This is before Stan Lee was ever born and had all these ideas of all these comic book characters. Before Marvel Comics or DC Comics ever came on the scene, here's the original guy in the Bible, Samson. What if somebody would have said, we've got 3,000 of us. Hey, this is pretty good. And we could have Samson with us. Well, let's not turn Samson over. Let's just all go rush and attack the Philistines. They could have said, Samson, look, 3,000 of us, so we could probably at least take on 3,000 Philistines, and you just, you just kill all the rest. <laughs> but no, they're so in bondage mentality. They have gotten used to their chains. They have gotten used to being degraded of not having any respect, of not having any dignity. They have gotten used to living in sin. They have gotten used to being sick. I know what you're starting to think. Uh, Pastor Stephen, this sounds like some of the church today. Yes, the light's coming on. The light is coming on. Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? Wow, what a crazy statement where people just get used to living in bondage. And you know what? If you tolerate that, it's like your chains. It's like you'll make jewelry out of them. You make jewelry out of your chains, and then you actually celebrate your chains, and then you actually boast in your disease or your sickness. You claim it. You're proud of it. Oh, mine's worse than yours. What is yours? Oh, you just wait till you hear what mine is. I've, I've heard people boast about their diseases, their sicknesses, in a sense, almost like God put it on them. I've, I've even heard some people directly say that. And of course, I've addressed a few in, a, in an endeavor to try to, just to get them to think, I'm like, well, if God really put it on you, yes, God put it on me, Pastor Stephen. Well, if God put it on you, why do you go to the doctor to try to get it off of you? Huh? Well, if God put it on you, why are you going to the doctor? Because if God really put it on you, shouldn't you keep it, be proud of it, and just suffer in it, and never go to the doctor? Why not just die with it, in great agony and pain, if God really did give it to you? Pastor Stephen, I don't understand your thinking. Well, see, you just have to think. You just have to think. Glory to God. I believe that the Scriptures make sense. And I believe that God doesn't want you in long-term bondage. God really wants you to be free. I know that Christians can get tangled up in things. You could be in debt, but God doesn't want you living all of your life in debt. God doesn't want you to be just, you know, constantly defeated in some area. The problem with the Philistines, just keep it. And the, you know what? The Philistines are happy for you to just uh, play like a little puppy and just tolerate it for the rest of your life. That makes, that makes them very happy. They want to keep you enslaved, and they actually want you to not fight back, not resist. They just want you to just grovel and live with it. But that's why God raised up Samson. Can you believe, now watch this, 
Can you believe the insanity of this? They actually want to turn over their deliverer to the Philistines. God sends them a deliverer with their superhuman, supernatural anointing, and they want to take him, take the gift of God, and turn him over to the enemy. Wow. Amazing. Mm -mm. God still raises up deliverers. And may God's anointing, may God's Spirit even rest on you to make you a deliverer. Where not only are you free, but you are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're going around getting others free. Pastor Stephen, that sounds like a bunch of Jesus is running around. Wouldn't that be wonderful? See, that was the thing about Jesus. One man in one body in one geographical location. And if you wanted to get to him, you got to come. If, if you lived on the other side of the planet, you got to, you got to get all the way around the world to get to him. Why? He's only in that one spot. But today he lives in the believer. Hallelujah. By his spirit. And so it is possible to have that anointing going around everywhere in you. Deliverers all over the place, helping people be free. But I believe also God wants His people to be truly free, and the Philistines booted out. Verse 12, But they said to him, We have come down to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. He probably chuckled and giggled when he said that. Because he knows when an anointing hits him, spears, swords, knives, arrows, bows, whatever, hit him over the head with a bat. It, it just, it's going to totally bounce off of him. He's invincible under the anointing. So they spoke to him, saying, No, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes, and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found the fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. And thus the legend of Samson, a true legend, is born. This guy was amazing, amazing anointing. Uh, anointed by God for one main reason overthrow the Philistines. I want my people free. Hallelujah. But you have to be willing to embrace freedom. You really need to realize that as a child of God, it's not normal to be in bondage in any area of your life. Watch this externally or internally. Praise the Lord. There is outward bondage. There can be outward bondage where financially you're drowning. And don't, don't, don't tell me that's not bondage. That, that's hell on earth. That's grief. That is frustration. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's disappointment. And it's broken up countless marriages, money problems. Money problems is stress. It is no fun to live like that, to always be short. It's no fun. There can be outward bondage, financial problems, sickness, disease. And you know Christ paid for it at Calvary. You know He purchased your freedom so that you can be free. But why is the thing still defeating you? Why is it still there? Outward forms of bondage, many other things, many other things that bog people's uh, lives down and keep them from living in the blessing that Jesus paid His uh, for them to receive, paid with His own blood. But, 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 there's also inward bondage. And they had inward bondage. The Israelis of that time had inward bondage. Oh yes, 
suppressed by the Philistines, outward bondage, yes, but inward bondage too. Addiction to idolatry, backsliding hearts, hearts not right with God. That's the reason they're in all of these natural outward problems in the first place, is because things aren't right on the inside. When you look at the scriptures under the Old Covenant, knowing that so much of what you read in the Old Testament, it's shadows, types, word pictures, that looking back from a New Testament perspective, you see, you see representations. And so you see the Philistines, and they, they have a key symbolism that's attached to them. All of the enemies of God's people had had their different little things, whether it's the Amorites, the Hittites, whoever the ites were, all of the ites had different uh, sin representations attached to them. But the Philistines were the classic example of the thing that sure bugged the Israelites a whole lot, and it seems to be a great challenge for many people in the church today. What is it? The Philistines represent the sin nature. They represent the flesh. Let me talk heart to heart with you just for a moment. The greatest challenge you will ever have in your life. I know who it is, Pastor Stephen. I'm a student of the Word. You're going to say it's the Antichrist. No, (laughs) it's not. Oh, he'll be a real mess when he comes on the scenes. He's going to do a world of hurt. But no, your, your main problem is not the Antichrist. I talked to a guy the other day. He was he was so into the 666 and so into the Antichrist that he couldn't see his own struggles, his own shortcomings. So into conspiracy theories. A good man loved God, loved the Bible, but missing the whole point of really what all of this is about. The greatest challenge you'll ever have in your life is not even the devil. It's not. It's not Satan. It's not a political party. It's your flesh. When I'm talking about your flesh, I'm not talking about your muscles, your 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 sinews, your tendons, uh, your ligaments, uh, your eyes, your ears. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sin nature in your flesh. That will be the greatest challenge you'll ever face in your life. And it was the greatest enemy that Israel ever faced. It was the Philistines, and they represent the flesh nature. An inner urging to do something wrong. Even as a believer, you're born again. Guess what? Your spirit's born again. You still got to live in a flesh body. And until you go to be with the Lord, that flesh body still has a sin nature in it that you have to keep under. You have to keep it crucified. Woo! And sometimes it just wants to it wants to do something. And you have to know how to deal with that. This is something that the Israelites had a great problem with. This is something that we know also Samson had a great struggle with. He had a great struggle. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now Samson, an amazing character. Samson had a beautiful outward consecration. Never touching grapes. Not drinking grapes. Oh, definitely wines off the list. Beer, you know, no no little scotch on the rocks. None of that. And I, I really hope that that you also, by reading through the book of Proverbs, you understand the danger of, dr- of strong drink, of alcoholic drink. Wow. Wow. I, I know people who've been killed early and are dead. They're in the grave right now because they, they got drunk, had a car accident. They're dead. They're off the planet. They're gone. 
Christians. Christians, are, they're gone. They're not on the planet anymore. I've known people that should be here alive, living today. Oh, got drunk, got, got killed in a car wreck. Different story, different message. But Samson was a Nazarite from his youth, from even from before he was born. He was already dedicated to his parents. Uh, had an angelic visitation his mom and dad did so he's already consecrated before he ever popped out of the womb as a Nazarite and that means don't touch the grape stay away from it now even even just like eating grapes off the vine that was a no-no it's just this is a special consecration this is all outward okay don't touch it now he also had the Nazarite vow of the seven long locks of hair that they were never ever touched with a razor they just grew and grew and grew well that, that sounds like a lot of work well it is what it is it's part of the vow and certainly you would stand out you would you would look different but uh, people could see just by looking externally that person is a Nazarite glory to God very very beautiful outward vow and I think there can be external um, consecrations absolutely that a person makes that helps you how can we say lock in to your commitment with the Lord but really really though it's going to have to go deeper than that and this is where Samson missed it there was never an inward consecration he had the outward consecration he had it down really good until he met Delilah but why did he blow it with Delilah lack of an inward consecration oh Jesus help us to see it thank you Lord the outward good, yes, but the inward really is a heart dedication where you allow the Lord to come in and work any way He wants to in your life. And if there's something that's not right, you just say, Lord, come on in. And, you know, I, I like it. It kind of, you know, j just between you and I, Lord, I, I know it's not right, but I like it. But Lord, really, I, I want inward consecration. Well, Lord, just come on in and just... Uh, and just go to work on my life and take that thing out of my life take it out of my heart so there can be outward consecration but there needs more importantly to be inward consecration praise God praise the Lord I think it's fascinating the story of the world famous evangelist Jimmy Swaggart who of course on national television confessed to uh, you know various sins that he was involved in and you know the church world gasped and uh, many of the church world just threw him in the bus and wrote him off and stuff like that but Jimmy Swaggart you know talked later about the struggles that he had mainly the struggle of this of lust same thing that you know Samson dealt with and Jimmy Swaggart said I fought it I, I, I prayed I fasted and I could I just could not figure out how to get the victory over this thing and a lot of Christians uh, when Brother Swaggart publicly fell, a lot of Christians just heaped on the ridicule, and of course they're doing the same thing. <laughs> they, they just never got caught. <laughs> but all of this heaped on the verbal accusations, and uh, many of them struggling with the same types of things, you know, having the Philistines defeating them in their secret life, but they, they were just quick to jump on the bandwagon, write the guy off, and, uh, you know, uh, verbally uh, barbecuing. Well, anyhow, Brother Swaggart, you know, basically in his own way before the Lord said, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to get victory over this, and I'm going to, I'm going to find out what is the key 
to get the inner victory. Because you have to realize he was a world famous evangelist leading millions. I, I'm not using the word millions in an exaggeration, leading millions to Christ. So outward strength, outward great anointing, but inwardly having a great struggle. Outward consecration, yes, but inwardly he was missing it. And he knew he was, but he couldn't figure out what the missing key was. So for six years, after he had had the public meltdown, for, and you know, he talked about how hard that was when you have, when you fall, not just before church, but you fall before the world, the humiliation, the grief that that causes, uh, most people would never recover for something like that. But we thank God for His mercy. So after he had had this episode of his fall, he said for six years, he sought the Lord day and night to get insight to find out how to fix the inner problem. And after six years of desperately seeking the Lord, getting up in the middle of the night praying, crying out to God day and night, one day while he was studying Romans chapter 6, the Holy Spirit came in and the, the Lord spoke to the Holy Spirit and began to give him the revelation that he had sought so desperately. And this is what, this is what the Lord told him. You have asked me the cause of your problem. It is the sin nature. Philistines. Philistines. <laughs> that, that, that's the flesh. Okay, now let me jump back to it again. He said, you have asked me the cause of your problem. It is the sin nature. And your lack of understanding about how it works and how it is to be controlled. Now, Brother Swaggart said a few days after he had this remarkable encounter with the Lord, he said a few days later, the Lord came and spoke to him again and said, the answer, now watch this, this is going to help a lot of you, because you may not admit it, but I know in your secret life, you're saying, God, show me how to win over this thing, not just outwardly, where people think I've got it all together, but Lord, show me how to, how, how to win the battle in here. Praise God. Some of, some of you bless your hearts, people, even know that outwardly, you're, you're, you know, it's not working. It's not working, much less inwardly. Now listen to this. Brother Swaggart said the Lord came to him a few days after that and said, the answer which you seek is found in the cross. The solution which you seek is found only in the cross. Praise the Lord. So this is the thing. How do you win over the Philistines? How do you win over urges of the flesh? Even if you're doing great things, even if you're making a whole lot of money and you know, good, good things are happening. How though, do you get the consecration, not just externally, but also internally? It's understanding the power of the cross and that power to keep your flesh under. Glory, glory to God. These are things I was never taught when I, I grew up in church. When I grew up in church, um, the preacher would preach expository type messages, take a subject, expound upon it, teach upon it. It was good. But although I learned about the stories in the Bible, I learned about David and Goliath, uh, a lot of that stuff I learned in what you would call Sunday school. Growing up as a young boy, you know, um, the kids would go off to Sunday school, and then the, the parents are in an adult Bible class. Once those two things are over, then the church, we all merge together, and then the preacher gives the main message. 
But in, in 20 plus years of Sunday school and sitting in church, I never really heard messages that told me how to live a holy life in a practical way where I could actually take something and say, now that's going to help me. That is going to help me say no to my flesh when it screams and says, I want to do it. When my flesh says, please, let's go do this. This will feel so good. I didn't really have a solution for that. And God did some crazy things to deliver me. And really, really, when you look back over your life, you will see what I believe. You could debate this. It's okay. It's a good debate. What I believe is the greatest attribute of God. It's His mercy. I believe, I really believe it's His mercy. Somebody's going to say grace. Somebody's going to say, somebody else will say it's His love. I, I can understand that. This, these are fun conversations. These are, these are caffeine conversations. Let's get coffee and sit down and talk. This is great stuff. But for me, I, I, will, I will go to heaven believing, fully convinced that the greatest attribute of God, His most splendorous, glorious attribute is His mercy. Because I can look back over my life and I can see places I would have sinned and I would have done the same thing if not for God's mercy. If God's mercy had not happened on that moment or on that day, I've done all kinds of crazy things. Honestly, I don't even know if I'd be alive today. I, I don't think I would if it were not for what? The mercy of God. The mercy of God covering me when I didn't deserve it, when I was very, very ignorant about God and even His ways. There, there's just so many things I didn't know raised in church, but never really getting rhema word, living word that actually helped me to live this life where we're actually being transformed into the image of Christ. I knew that we were supposed to live holy. I just didn't know how to do it. <laughs> now, let me say something right now. This is true, although they won't admit it. Sinners looking at the church, sinners making fun of the church, Sinners making fun of believers when they fall, when they have mistakes, whether it's a verbal blunder, whether it's you know, they didn't live up to the love walk or whatever it is. Sinners in their depravity and in their sin, watch this, they'll never admit it, but they still want to see somebody live it. That's the truth. They know they can't. Oh, they know they're sinners. They, they know that they are deserving of going to hell. They know they are. They know they are separated from God because of their sins. Absolutely. But even in their lost condition, even looking around the world, and even if they don't know the Bible, they, they, they know that there is a virtue of being good. They know that to take a bribe is wrong. They know that to cheat on your spouse, there's something that's not right about that. So here's the thing. Even if they can't live it, they, they want somebody to be able to do it. They want you to be able to do it. They may, they may not like publicly root for you. They may even persecute you. But they really, they really there's a part of them where they, they, want, they want to see the church live this. Because they, I mean, there's something about goodness. There's something about a leader who stands up and uh, you look for dirt and you can't find any. They, you know, that, that's the thing about Daniel. And the, the, those Babylonian leaders said, look, we're not going to get this guy. He doesn't, have any, he doesn't have any dirt on him. The only way we're going to get him is we catch him as some kind of legality of dealing with his religion. But that guy is like straight shooter all the way. We can't nail him on anything corrupt. And if they could have, they would have. If they could have found it, they would have found it. Glory to God. So there's an element of that that they respect. 
even if they don't want you to be in that office position, they still respect that. Glory to God. May you, may you come into this place where you live this gospel, where you never find yourself in a place like Samson, where you've got a dual nature going on. The Dr. Jekyll, uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, where you're, where in secret your flesh is not having these um, just all out, you know, things. Or maybe not even all out, but this thing, th these Philistines just, you know what, they've got you somehow. And whether it's smoking, and, and see, I, I know churches, it's just, they're not going to even fight it. The pastor, I, I've been in churches before the pastor smokes, pastor's wife smokes, elders smoke. After all, this is North Carolina, and uh, you know, most of the tobacco that's sent around the world is coming out of either North Carolina or our neighbor up north next to us, Virginia. And there's a lot of churches where the, uh, that Philistine spirit has just come in and has touched their flesh, and they've gotten to the point where they like the nicotine kick, they, they have gotten used to it, and they all sit there. And if you try to send a deliverer in there, they're going to want to throw you out. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who you tell? Who are you? Well, there's an anointing. Let me touch you. You'll be delivered. It's going to be very, very interesting. You, you have to want to be free. And there are churches that are, that want to be free. There are, there are people that are just like, I don't want to die of cancer. I don't want my lungs saturated with black uh, you know, I don't want to be a chimney, and I don't want my mouth to be an ashtray. It's gross. It's defiling. God set me free. If you cry out for God to set you free, you will run across a deliverer. You real, you will run across somebody with an anointing to set you free. Glory, glory, hallelujah, glory. But deliverers, watch this. Deliverers need to be freed themselves. If not. If not, you're going to have a real hard time. Actually, it's, it's, it's impossible. You're, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it into the fullness of what God has for you, saying with Samson. Because once Delilah took him out and, uh, you know, got the secret, which was the uh, revealing of his Nazarite vow, she puts him to sleep, sings him a song, puts him in such a deep sleep, spirit of witchcraft operating. She could even bring a, a barber in and lather up his head and shave his head. You're talking about a deep sleep. And then turns him over to the Philistines, and they gouge his eyes out. They burn his eyes out. He loses his vision. Now, now, now good ending, but was it God's best? No, 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 no. It wasn't God's best. Good ending? What is that? That's mercy. <laughs> okay. The hair begins to grow back. The anointing begins to come back. There's a consecration that's made as he's grinding out in the prison, grinding out grain. But, you know, they're, they're mocking him and using him as a jester and stuff like that. He's the guy that let, let him come out and do stunts and, enter, and entertain us. But he has his moment where he talks to the little boy. The little boy doesn't understand what he's asking, so he's asking, show me where the two structures are that hold the whole thing up, and he pushes, boom. And the whole thing comes down, and there are 3,000 people sitting on the top, and so it, it's, a, it's a really big loss for the Philistines. He killed more people on that day than he had before combined. So, so he goes out on a note of victory. That's mercy. But it wasn't God's best. It's not, it's not good to get your eyes gouged out. It's not good to go into captivity yourself. And many, 
many that toy with these things that that don't have the inner consecration um, many don't recover when the Philistines you know they just lock you down there are many that don't recover so you don't want that Jesus your liberator is here to set you free today there's anointing touching you right now and even as I'm teaching the words anointed things are coming off of you right now those of you that would have things uh, uh, somebody you didn't mean to because you, you were taking prescription medications because you had an issue and you were prescribed these by the doctor but it turned into an addiction and you're still taking them you're still taking them you don't even need them you're still taking them what's happened your flesh has just gotten to a point like I need them I need them I need them and you can't get free Jesus can set you free see these things can handicap a person it was meant for a short period of time but you know it just got a hook in you and now you're hooked praise the Lord other situations where these types of things can take place as well it was supposed to be short-lived you took food stamps you needed some help nothing wrong with that maybe you know at times people need help but it was supposed to be a help six months nine months not 30 years not 30 years what happens people come just complacent well you know ah you know just let them take care of me you know I can just sit home and the government can take care of me that was supposed to be short term you were not supposed to go into captivity to the Philistines I know it's comforting to the flesh to let somebody else feed you take care of you all that stuff but no God's got a great plan for your life you need to rise up you need to rise up and look for that anointing the anointing of your Savior and let the Philistines be overthrown in your life let me tell you let me tell you what works for me I, I, I'm going to give you one key Pastor Stephen you're telling me that I need to do it but tell me how to do it okay let's talk about it let's get to the nitty gritty we know that it's attached to the power of the cross that's what that's where it's at how can I say this let me let me see if I can help you understand this from my background my background was I ran track throughout high school ran uh, track and field throughout college I was a middle distance runner and I, I enjoyed it I enjoyed it but I had always wanted to do martial arts well when I was in college and you know like a junior in college I, I visited a martial arts school and I just I just loved it I, I thought this is wonderful I loved it I liked the culture and uh, you know it was a taekwondo school and that was before taekwondo was really popular it was still old school uh, it, it was just like if you're going to spar you didn't have all the uh, like uh, you know uh, soft and easy stuff today back then it was it was pretty much you know well if you, if you get bro- got your bones broken or something like that you know you know well just go home and you know try to take care of it the best you can so I, I've had all kinds of things hairline fractures in my jaw uh, you know been been knocked out and all, all kinds of stuff like that and um, but you know when you're in martial arts here's the thing if you're in it in a certain sport or I would say field because there's many forms of martial arts you have you have um, taekwondo which is mainly you know kicking and stuff like that but then you have karate but then even in karate you have you have soft and you have hard forms you know hard is like I, I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna not just try to like you know get you back I'm gonna try to hurt you so you you know you have judo you have kung fu and uh, just on and on it goes really over a hundred different forms of martial arts here's here's what I'm talking about I want to get to something 
I realized after a while that because I began sparring with a guy in karate that I wasn't really good with my hands. I'd gotten really good with my feet, could do all these kicks and stuff like that. Looks really cool. But a lot of that stuff doesn't work in real life applications. It takes a lot of energy to throw kicks and you could just be out of gas, you know, real, real quick. And if you've got a guy that can step back or block and knows how to, you know, miss your kicks, slip your kicks, then now all of a sudden you're real tired and he could just pick you apart and stuff like that. So I began training with guys in karate to get good with my hands. Oh, then you run into guys with jujitsu. Okay, they're, they're very good at taking it to the ground. In real life, where do most fights end up at? They end up on the ground. They, it's not this stand-up box. Uh, boxing that doesn't work in real life uh, so a lot of times 95% of the times any kind of street fight is going to end up on the ground well you know a good a guy that's good in jiu-jitsu if he comes up against somebody in taekwondo he's just going to slip the kicks step back let the guy miss and then he's going to try to get you on the ground and then choke you out and so well then I realized I need to train with those guys so what ends up happening I uh, end up just training with a lot of different guys. And those of those that were, you know, got pretty good at this and doing good at competitions, we would just cross train and we were all friends. So I'm hanging out with friends in Aikido. I'd finish this class. I jump over to the Aikido class. Then I had friends in Tang Sudo that were, you know, more of a real hard form. And I just trained with all these guys. We had a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, this is stuff you do when you're young, especially just got to do something with all your energy. And so it was, it was really good experience. And you, even in, in the history of martial arts, you had people like Bruce Lee, uh, who cross-trained. And he just took the best of all the different uh, studies that were out there, pulled it together, started his own system, called it Jeet Kune Do. And that's what he thought worked good from all of his application of studying all the different forms. Okay, let's, let's go back to Christianity now. In, in Christianity, you have one faith. You have one faith, but within the faith of, of Christ, there's many different streams. You have the Catholic Church. You have Eastern Orthodox. You have Pentecostalism. You, you have, um, you know, the refreshing group, those, those that are just more kind of like charismatic. Then you have Baptist. You've got Primitive Baptist. You've got Southern Baptist. You have, you know, even within the Baptist denomination, you, you've got like maybe a hundred different variants. Then you've got Methodist. You have Episcopalian and Presbyterian. On and on and on and on it goes. And there's, there's all these different streams. But whosoever shall call upon the, the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you, you can be a believer and be in this stream. You can believe, be a believer in this stream. After all, think of it, 12 tribes, one nation. One nation of Israel, but 12 distinct tribes. So, you know, what tribe are you in? What stream are you in? I kind of know my flow. I know, I, know the, I know the streams that I float down primarily, but I've preached in all kinds of churches. I've preached in Baptist churches. I've seen the, pre the preacher get saved, the pastor there get saved and filled the Holy Spirit. Uh, one Baptist church I preached in, he, he said, he said, Pastor Steve, we're all now Baptocostals. And then later when his mother had died, he raised his mother from the dead with an miracle healing anointing. And that, that went all through the community of all the miracles that were happening at his church. And that was one of the, one of the reasons, because I had gone there and prayed for him, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Then God began to do many miracles. But I've, I've preached in um, all kinds of churches, Roman Catholic churches. I've preached in all kinds of churches, all different streams. Pastor Stephen, what are you doing? Cross-training. And the Lord's doing it. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. He's sending he said me to all these different places. And so here's what I, I look at. I look at what works. What works. I'm not, I'm not interested in your tradition. That, that's whatever. 
Look, by the way, if you think there's not a lot of tradition in Pentecostal churches, uh, there is. And there's, there's all kinds of traditions in evangelical churches, all kinds of traditions, and all the different streams. But what you're looking for is, what can I actually take? Do you know something that will help me? Is there something that you've learned that actually works that I can take? You can teach me. That's what I did in martial arts. I took that same way of thinking. I took it over into the ministry. What works, by the way, what doesn't really work that well? Because if it's the Word, it's always going to work. But give me things that help me to win. Win in my outward life, more importantly. Most importantly, how can I win in here? So I'm not some kind of a fake person living a dual life. Glory to God. I want to be a winner in here, and I want to have fruit also abounding externally. Praise God. What works? I'll share with you what works. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Ooh, Jesus. Pastor Stephen, when the Philistines bring the heat, and your flesh gives you trouble, what do you do? Well, I do this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Um, I go to the cross. I go to the cross. That's where the answer is at. That's where the solution is at. And if you're looking at any other area, you're not going to be able to, to defeat the Philistines. You're going to have trouble with them. You're going to have trouble with them. And they'll find ways to keep you in bondage. Your flesh will find ways to keep you in bondage unless you know the power of the cross. Verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. Paul preaching Christ crucified. Um, Pastor Stephen, why does Paul not preach Christ raised from the dead? After all, from an evangelical perspective, that's where we should put the emphasis, on the resurrection. But here he says, but we preach Christ crucified. He doesn't say we preach Christ resurrected. He says we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block. I can imagine so, because the Jews are very intellectual, very much thinkers, and they think, well, what, what, is, what does a guy dying on a cross have anything to do with us? I mean, I mean, the Romans crucified people on crosses all the time. What, what does that have to do with us? But there was a veil over their eyes, not understanding the sacrificial Passover lamb. A stumbling block. And to the Greeks, oh, especially to the Greeks, foolishness. To the Greeks, or you could even say to the Gentiles, foolishness. So you, you could talk to an unbeliever today, an American, an unbeliever, and, you know, tell them about Christ crucified. And, you know, and they think, well, what, what is a guy dying on a cross in the Middle East in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago? What does that have to do with me today? Well, it has to do with the solution to your sin problem. But, 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 you know, they, they have to have understanding of that. Holy Spirit has to unveil that to them as we minister the Word of God to them, because everything that everybody needs is there in the cross where Christ was crucified. Because if He's not crucified, there is no resurrection, there is no ascension. It centers around the crucifixion. Christ crucified. Glory to God. And I realized that in many ways, in the evangelical circles that many of us are in a certain stream of, that in some ways a lot of evangelicals do not know the power of the cross. And they're very turned off by, the, by, by like what you would call a crucifix. And I've learned by being 
in many different streams by getting in my little canoe and floating down this stream and saying, let me float down this stream and preaching in this church and preaching in that church and having late night talks with people that pray and walk close with God. I realize that when it comes to this area, the Catholics really know something and they know the power of Christ crucified. Now, some don't, of course, there, there's a lot of Catholics sitting in Catholic churches. They're not born again. I understand that just like there are in evangelical churches. Just because you sit in the church doesn't mean you're saved. I, I had a lady knock on the very doors of this sanctuary, and you know, knocking on the door, my wife went and answered the door, and the lady said, what kind of a church is this? She said, we're a church that loves Jesus. We're Christians. She said, are you Baptist? She said, we're Christian. She said, if you're not Baptist, you ain't nothing, and turned around and walked away. I don't even believe a person like that saved. Just because you're Baptist doesn't mean you're born again. Just because you're Catholic doesn't mean you're born again. Just because you sit, just because you go sit in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. <laughs> you must be born again. But amongst the Catholics, particularly the Spirit-filled Catholics, they they really caught a revelation about the power of the cross because it helps overthrow the Philistines. It helps keep the flesh under. That's why Paul, Paul talked about the crucifixion. Glory to God. But we preach Christ crucified. Christ crucified. Let me give you a little bit more. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. Glory to God. See, I'm like a spiritual bee looking for the honey, looking for the nectar. And I'll go to the other side of the world to get it. And God, watch this. I am, I am completely honest when I say this. God has sent people to me, ministers to me, from the other side of the planet. He has brought them to my life. He has allowed me to fellowship with them, become friends with them, even go on to minister with them, of people that have had, and still do, have very, very deep walks with God. And the only reason stuff like that happens is because when you become a truth seeker, and you're looking for the honey, God, God will send it to you. He'll bring it to you. I'm like a spiritual bee, bzzz, looking for that, that honey, the revelation of the Word, the hidden manna. Glory to God. And that's for the overcomers. And when you really want to know truth, God will bring it to you. If He's got to send somebody to you from around the world, He'll do that to unveil the beautiful mysteries that are in the Word of God. Mark chapter 15, verse 29. Verse 29. Before I read verse 29, I think I need to say this. You cannot judge or gauge spirituality by what you see on the landscape of the American Christian culture. Don't, don't look at that and think, that's the high bar. I think if you do that, you'll be disappointed. And I think if you do that, you'll really cheat yourself of so much more that you can have in the Lord. So much more that you can have in the Lord. I love the American church. God has raised me in this nation when I was born into this world. I was born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, grew up in the South, and uh, you know, I have a great heart for this country. This is my country. But I've been privileged by the Lord to also travel the world and see the church, the church 
in its beautiful multifaceted glory reflecting Christ around the world and I can pull things from the Catholics I can pull things from the Eastern Orthodox I can pull things from the Baptist with their strength of soul winning I can pull things from many different streams glory to God I can pull things from the Nazarenes glory to God glory to God hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus but you must not be complacent because many times what's called normal or average is bondage is status quo and it's it's the way the Israelites were living in the days of the judges and they just they were just content Samson calm down stop it we're going to turn you over we know you have this idea that you're a deliverer but we don't want it we're just content to be in bondage for the rest of our lives we're turning you over to the Philistines that that's status quo and it's normal for many Christians just to live in bondage and they, they're so used to it they think it's normal they think it's normal so please do not judge true spirituality by maybe what you just see by just looking around just looking around just looking around because you could be looking at something that's falling far below the, the, the high calling or the many blessings that are available not that God doesn't love any believer God loves the newest Christian just as much as He loves the advanced believer. But when you grow with the Lord and you learn how to please the Lord, that's the whole thing. You can be more pleasing to the Lord, and your relationship can go deeper because you understand the Lord. And you also become very, very effective at being able to minister and help other people. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Bodily exercise has some profit, but there's great profit in godliness not only for this life but for the one to come thank you Lord Jesus Mark chapter 15 verse 29 and those who passed by blasphemed him saying excuse me blasphemed him wagging their heads and saying aha you who destroy the temple and build it in three days save yourself and come down from the cross Paul preaching Christ crucified you really could read the gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You could read them and walk away from it thinking that's amazing. You see the miracles, you see the character of Christ, you see, you see the wonderful things, you see death, burial, resurrection. But you walk away from it and you don't really understand the purpose of what it benefits you until you get into the Pauline epistles. That's where you really begin to understand, ah, what He did for me, what really was accomplished on that cross. It all centers around the cross. That's where the victory is at. Praise God. And they said, save yourself and come down from the cross. The same thing is uttered today. I like the crucifix, not as a religious relic or religious icon. I like the crucifix because First of all, I know the devil does not like the image of Christ on the cross. I, I know evangelicals say, who? He's not on the cross anymore. We shouldn't have him, uh, you know, pictured on the cross. He's not there anymore. He's seated at the right hand of God. As if the Catholics don't know that. It's okay. We know that too. We know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But my friends, if you want victory over the flesh, and you want victory over the Philistines, and you want an external consecration, and you want an internal consecration, you're going to have to be looking at that cross with Christ crucified on it. Because you are in Him. Yes, you've been raised up with Him, but the victory, the victory is centered around the cross. Glory to God. Out of, out of that, 
the ascension and all the glorious stuff seated with Christ in the heavenly realms and all of the blessings and all of the icing on the cake is wonderful but when you want the Philistines out of your life you better be looking at Christ on that cross and every time the enemy tries to bring heat and my body would try to trouble me because I live in a, in, a, in a physical body. I know some of you think I live in a virtual cloud. I don't. I'm a real person. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm a real person. And when my body has urges that are out of line with the Word of God, I go and I sit down and it happens and I know who's doing it. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just allows it. I see Christ on the cross and I worship Jesus and I say, Jesus, thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Jesus, I see you on the cross taking all of my sin, every vile craving upon, your, upon yourself while you were at Calvary. And when I look at Christ on the cross in the, in the eye of my mind and I see him, it's seconds. It's only seconds when peace begins to come into my heart and begins to touch my body. And those cravings go under. The cravings go under. That's how you win in here. That's how you do it. Glory to God. Pastor Stephen, okay, I'm going to go get a crucifix necklace and I'm going to wear it. <laughs> outward, uh, outward signs of consecration can be good, but it's more important that it's inner. It's more important that it's inner, that you are really tapping into Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Jesus, I see you on that cross. I see myself up there with you, and I see my sin nature cut off. I see Romans chapter 6, verse 6, a reality in my life, knowing this that my old man, that sin nature, no longer has dominion over me. Jesus, thank you that although I may not feel free, I am free, and I appropriate what you did for me on that cross into my life. Now, Jesus, I worship you, Christ crucified. Jesus, thank you. And look at him. Look at him. Look at him. The wounds, the scars, the nails, the agony, the torment, the pain. Look at him and realize what he did for you. That's why Paul preached Christ crucified. Oh, that's a bunch of foolishness. That's a bunch of baloney. That is the power of the gospel. Mm, 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 mm. And that's where the power is at. You want to get victory over sin? That's where the power is at, and everything else, all the blessings, the prosperity, the health, uh, you know, the you know, the good stuff, all the good stuff. It's 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 all wonderful. It's all gravy, but this is the power. This is this is victory in your secret life. You get it the secret life. You'll have it in your public life. You'll you'll have the anointing. <laughs> Woo! Somebody's going free right now, and that's what I do. And the Holy Spirit helps me. He just brings it right up. I see Jesus. I see him on, on the cross suffering for me. Praise the Lord. Suffering for me. Bearing the reproach, the, reshame, the shame. Understanding as my high priest this stuff that we deal with, these urges, the, the thing of wanting to get vengeance, the thing of wanting to, to make it right when you can. I'll tell them off or whatever it might be. You know, anger jealousy, whatever it might be, dealing with unforgiveness. Lord, they really hurt me. See him 
on the cross and just have a little 30 minute crucifixion replay through your mind and let the Holy Spirit help you let the Holy Spirit help you and all that junk goes under and leaves you and I can't explain how it works all I can tell you is that's where the power is at it's at the cross looking at him and seeing in the mind of God seeing yourself also crucified with him thank you Jesus that's where it's at that's how you win. That's how you tell the Philistines to get out and stay out. And they, uh, you know, you begin to overthrow them. And no longer are you their slave. Philistines have always represented the lust of the flesh. The cravings of the, of the sinful nature of the flesh. Praise the Lord. You'll be defeated no more. You will, hear me, I say that over your life. You will be defeated no more. No more outburst of rage of wrath or anger no more of that what is all that stuff it's the flesh it's the flesh it's, it's laid out in scripture in the book of Galatians chapter 5 it's called the dirty dozen okay then you've got the, the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit I'd rather have this than the dirty dozen praise God <laughs> but I see that the dirty dozen is something that will never hijack your life again Father we give you praise we give you praise. Please lift your hands. Father, we receive grace. We receive mercy. Let this key be something that's war, that's worn as a necklace over our heart. Christ crucified. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ crucified for us. We thank you, Father, for the power of the cross, that the answer is in the cross, the solution for the world's sins and the struggles are all found in Christ crucified on that cross. Father, we give you praise. We receive grace. We receive mercy. We receive strength in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. You understand that you can gain truth from another stream of Christianity and it doesn't mean that you have to embrace all the other doctrines you understand that right there I love the Catholic Church that doesn't mean I agree with all their doctrines I love the Baptist Church doesn't mean I agree with all, all of their doctrines because they believe in many ways in cessationism which is the ceasing of the miracle gifts I, I, I don't agree with that I'm you know kind of how can we say Pentecostal in nature spirit filled or charismatic whatever you want to call me but I'm, I'm looking for truth I'm looking for what works praise God Praise God. You, you show me somebody walking in victory. Uh, th you know, those are the kind of people you want to talk to because you want to say, what's, I, you know, I want to tie into victory. Praise God. My friends is all around the cross. Everybody that's winning, they're, they're meeting at the foot of the cross. Let's take Holy Communion together today. I want to invite you to grab some unleavened bread, some grape juice. Let us receive communion together today. Praise God. I, I know, I know there's some people that probably think Catholics aren't even saved. Well, just get a revelation that there are many that are there. I actually grew up in a denomination that was taught. It was common knowledge throughout the denomination. We are the only ones going to heaven. We're the sole guardians of the truth, and we are the only ones going. So we're thinking that, while we're thinking that, the Seventh-day Adventists are over there thinking the same thing, and others are over here thinking the same thing, and everybody thinks we've got more than what anybody else has. But then you begin to get out and begin to really 
draw near to the Lord, meet those that have a close walk with the Lord, and then you realize that it's true. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And not only that, in the last days, Jesus said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, Baptist flesh, Catholic flesh, Eastern Orthodox flesh. Hallelujah. If you're a believer, the spirit can come on you. Praise God. And he got me. <laughs> Woohoo! Glory to God. He got me. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, now let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. Now, the word proclaim could also be translated as announce. You proclaim, you announce the Lord's, the Lord's resurrection. That's not what it says. You, pro, you proclaim, you announce the Lord's death till He comes. Whenever we take communion together until Christ comes back, every time we're taking this, you're not proclaiming the mighty resurrection. You're not even proclaiming the glorious ascension. Wow, that was pretty cool. What's going on? You're proclaiming, you're announcing His death. Why? Why? Because in His death, that every benefit that He purchased for you is, is accessed, is laid hold of, and you are proclaiming to the principalities and to the powers, to the rulers of the darkness of this world, that you lost, you don't hold me anymore, I don't have to serve you anymore, you don't dominate me anymore, I don't have to give in to you anymore, and Jesus won, I'm in Him, His victory is my victory. Every time you proclaim His death, when you take this, that's who you're proclaiming it to. Glory to God. If you need a scripture for that, it's Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. When Christ was on the cross, He stripped of all authority the powers of darkness from their, their ability to dominate the believer. They have no authority over you anymore. And that is New Testament theology. And that's why you need to read the, the, the epistles, not just the gospels, but the epistles, so you can understand that what Jesus did for you at Calvary was epic. You don't have to be defeated externally, or more importantly than anything else, internally. Jesus can be Lord over your life, over all the various chambers of your heart, over your feelings, over your desires, over the things you do publicly and in secret. He can be Lord all the time. Praise God. Let's proclaim His death his death, because it's in that cross, that crucifixion. That's where the power flows into your life to be all God's called you to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at the cross. Look at Christ on the cross and understand what took place for you. Victory. Victory. Father, we thank you for the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. We consecrate this now as holy, set apart unto you. Father, we receive the body of Jesus, ever grateful, ever grateful for what Jesus did for us at Calvary. Lord, give us revelation of it, and let us see Christ as our conquering King, paying the price. Pastor Stephen, when I see Jesus on the cross crucified, what am I seeing? 
love. The highest form of love that the universe has ever known and ever will know. And when you want to see love, look at Christ being crucified. It's the greatest example of love ever. Father, we receive the body of Jesus now. Let's partake together. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Help us to meditate on these truths. Lord, we go from glory to glory. You're taking us higher. You're taking us higher. And Father, when your son comes back, the church will have been transformed by your grace and mercy into the spotless bride without spot or wrinkle, with beautiful, beautiful garments. Father, we thank you. We invite you to our heart. Oh, God, do your work. Do your work. In Jesus' name. If there's anybody watching right now, you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you want to. You want to receive Him right now. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner. Wash them away. I receive you now as my Lord. I give my life to you. Save me, Lord Jesus. I give my heart to you. I dedicate my life to you now to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. Praise God. Let us all now receive the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you that your provision is always more than enough, and the blood is more than enough to deal with any sin. Father, wash our sins away. Lead us away from temptation, and deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Father, we thank you. Turn situations, Father, as we drink this blood of Christ, turn situations around from struggle and failure and defeat to constant, constant victory. Father, we thank you. We look to the cross. Let us receive the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, it's time to get the Philistines on the run, get them out, and walk in the mighty anointing. Hallelujah. You're going in high places with the Lord. You're going to a new level. Get ready. The glory is here, and it's only getting better. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.